Malcolm X said the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Welcome back to Being Heard, Two Black Women Coffee and Conversations. I'm your host, Leah, and with me is my co-host today. And today we have Leo Landis, state curator of the State Historical Society of Iowa. Greetings. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing well, Leah. Thanks so much to you and Dana for having me on today. Thanks for being here, Leo. We're really excited to dig into a little Iowa history today, um, especially during Black History Month. So this is really great. Thanks for being on. So we wanted to start out a little bit um, talking about, you know, what does your title mean? What do you do at the State Historical Society for people who don't know? Yeah, quick version on what a curator does is I tell Iowa history stories in the framework of United States history, and I do that through artifacts, so the objects that people used. I do that through photographs, and I do that through words in the label content, and sometimes, you know, then through video or, or slideshows too. So that's that's the short version, and, and I do try to tell stories from all across our state from people of all different backgrounds. That's important to me. So um, as a state curator, how did you get into this particular type of work? When I was in fifth grade and then going into sixth grade in the fall, that was the year of the bicentennial 1976. And I had always loved history. When I was in third grade, my mom, who was a big influence, she bought me some history books that uh, I read over and over again on U.S. history primarily, but some world history material too. And so from my boyhood had some things that knew I always loved history uh, and that experience in, in seeing the Freedom Train in, in Valley Junction area. It was a cross-country tour of American history during the bicentennial. Uh, just inspired me to love American history and, and be curious about our state and nation's history. Wow, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the some of the Black-themed exhibits you've had. We know, of course, the Patton's Neighborhood, um, great exhibit, really cool uh, pieces of history in there. Tell us a little bit about that and how you put that together. Sure. So the Patton's Neighborhood exhibit predated me just a little bit. I've been with the Historical Society since 2010. Uh, Started my museum career in 1986 as uh, Iowa State student working at Living History Farms. But getting back to what the Historical Society and the Historical Museum have been doing, uh, that Patton's Neighborhood exhibit told the story of uh, a thriving black community along Center Street from about 10th Street to 15th Street and North uh, up to university and a little beyond that. So for Central Iowa listeners can, can get a sense of that geography. And it was a thriving black community from the 19-teens into the 1960s. Robert Patton uh, grew up in Georgia, comes to Iowa in the 19, early 1900s, Des Moines by 1910. And as a printer, he was saving even in some of his earliest work examples of what he was printing. So it's uh, a couple of thousand items that he either printed or uh, uh, are related to his work that tell the story of this thriving black community uh, in central Iowa that 
even in my own you know, lifetime growing up in central Iowa, didn't realize that story and, and how the Center Street community was such a vital part of that neighborhood and yet urban renewal in the 1950s and 60s and, and also the interstate uh, disrupted that, that community of, of primarily black folks in, in central Iowa. So uh, my uh, predecessor, Jack Lufkin, had curated an exhibit uh, that we had in our atrium called Patton's Neighborhood. Uh, a lot of your listeners may know our, our building leaked at that time and, and Patton's Neighborhood was uh, in that space that could get leaked on. So we deinstalled that a little before I started. Uh, we've now got in a section in our area called Visible Vault that we try to feature Robert Patton's story, but we, we really do try to work some of his collections into other material, other areas too. What are some other, uh, are some other um, exhibits that, you know, you've been a part of since your time? Yeah, two, two of my favorites in the last five years or six years, uh, we did one called uh, Iowans at Home, Work and Play. And in that exhibit, uh, knew I wanted to work in the Buxton, Iowa story. And again, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with that community down in Monroe County, coal mining uh, community, uh, predominantly uh, black, but blacks and whites living together in a community of about 7,000 people. So just a really rich story of a community from around 1900 to 1920. And I knew the doctor who was the first black man to go to University of Iowa's med school, Edward Carter, that we had a photo of him. So I used that, but I was looking for things in our collection through our database to see, did we have anything from Buxton? And I was finding nothing in the museum collection. In our special collections research library, we've got oral histories of those people, but we don't have any artifacts, or at least that's what I thought. And then as I was working on a subsequent exhibit, I see a reference in our suitcases and bag collection that, and, and I may get it a little wrong, but I think it was described as medical bag used by Negro mine, M-I-N-E, doctor. And I just, as I was sitting at the computer screen, I'm like, I know who this is. Well, the material was donated in the 1960s by Marion Carter, the daughter of Edward Carter. They had moved to Detroit and that to me is, you know, part of where our state hasn't lived up to being a place of opportunity for all Iowans is when the coal mine shut down in Buxton around 1920, Edward Carter as a black professional doesn't have a lot of options in Iowa. So he grew up in the Oskaloosa area. Native, he wasn't native born Iowan. His parents had been enslaved. Uh, he was born in Virginia and he came to Iowa when he was about two years old. But uh, S. Joe Brown had promote, told him, you know, a prominent black lawyer of, the, uh, of Iowa had told, was from down around there, said Edward should go to University of Iowa Law School or Med School, excuse me, and, and he did. Uh, and so he's the first black man to get a medical degree and he has a thriving business in Buxton till the mine shut down. And where is a thriving black community in 1920? Detroit. And so the Carters moved to Detroit. His daughter, uh, Marion, as she's a adult woman in the 1960s, she is wise enough to send some of her mom and dad's material to us 
but the curator at the time, using the words of the 1960s, only says his last name, Carter. So it says, I think, Negro Mind Doctor Carter. We've updated that language, but I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I discovered we've got his Oskaloosa High School diploma. Uh, we've got uh, Rose Carter's wedding shoes in the collection. Uh, we've got a couple of University of Iowa pennants that Edward Carter had. So having those tangible artifacts, to me, that's what museums are so great for, is it's like these were the things connected to real people that people had that meant something to them. And so to be able to see Edward Carter's photo that we're pretty sure uh, Rose sent to us, or excuse me, uh, Marion, his daughter, sent to us, is, is just so powerful to say, these are important stories for Iowans to know. And so that was, I mean, to me, to rediscover that story was a blessing. And, and then uh, another one that's been a recent story that has just been so rich to learn is uh, wife and husband, Madeline and John McKee, who were a farm couple in Dallas County, Eastern Dallas County. And they both had been enslaved. They were, uh, Tennessee was where they had been enslaved. John, during the war, uh, signs up and fights on behalf of the Union. So he's fighting in a, a black regiment. But after the war, they come to Iowa. Well, I was looking for photographs for our uh, Iowa 175 exhibit. 2021 was our 175th anniversary of statehood. It's like, let's see what other stories that we haven't told. And I see this photo of three uh, black girls at the time in the 1870s. And it says, uh, Lucy, Nora, Samantha McKee. And then I look and here's a photo of John McKee, their father. And then another photo of uh, Lucy, Nora, and Samantha, probably in the 1890s, right around 1900. They did. They grew up on a rented farm in eastern Dallas County. Uh, John, and I'm pretty sure Madeline is buried with him because the bystander, the newspaper, the black newspaper says she's buried in the family plot. Her name's not on John's gravestone, but I've been to John's grave uh, in a rural cemetery just east of Van Meter. But then Lucy, Nora, Samantha, Mary, they come to Des Moines. They don't stay on a farm. But uh, we have a quilt done for St. Paul's AME Church then that uh, Nora... Nora McKee Dixon worked on. So that's on display. And we used the photo of the three girls as little girls when they had first come to Iowa and then as young women. And, and it's just, a, you know, they're beautiful people. It's a beautiful photo. And it reminds Iowans that, you know, people of all different backgrounds have come to our state seeking opportunity to build lives and, and you know, have just the, the sort of everyday life that all of us are trying to do today, too. And that those stories go back to the 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, and and so those have been two great stories. History, right? That's that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Like capturing, like quilting has caught my um, attention. Um, being a person that crafts myself, we don't often get seen, even in textiles. Even though we know who picked the cotton, but there's never a connection to a finished product. Um, I am and, and Leah, if I can just jump in quickly on that too, what's great about that St. Paul's AME quilt is that it's a signature quilt. So it's got okay. names of men and women from the community uh, on each block in the center of each block. So it helps document 
not just Nora McKee Dixon's work, but also other blacks at St. Paul's AME Church. Oh my God. Okay, I got something new to go check out because I have a friend, she travels to like different quilting um, museums and now that's another thing to get her to come visit me again here. Um, these stories, I love that you're able to like curate them. You know, we're in the mix of Black History Month, basically, and I still always say American history with an emphasis on Black people. And um, as um, we've been watching, some listeners are probably watching the 1619 Project or have been reading a book. And I listened to how pivotal that could have probably been for a lot of people here had they had more connections. Are there more things that still get you surprised or do you still get surprised by some of the black Iowa history that you find? So I, I think now I've done a pretty decent job, but there's, there's the Joyner family. I think they were sailor township here in Des Moines. And oh. so that's, we've got some things connected to them that I need to do a little more digging on and get their story down. And, and, Going back to a story we didn't share, but one that uh, I love that's in our collection and, and was fortunate enough to know uh, Robert Morris before he passed, the grandson of James B. Morris and then uh, Brad Morris, both Des Moines lawyers, but uh, James B. served in World War One, And so when we were doing our World War One exhibit, knew that story, but within our World War One collections, pretty sure it was the black women of Des Moines commissioned a little uh, poster that a black man from again, Sailor Township at one time had a, a decent black population likely connected to coal mining and, and farming both. But it lists around 150 black soldiers primarily from central Iowa have done some research on all of those men, but know that there's some really compelling stories in there. So uh, a lot of Iowans don't know a uh, story of a man named Wayne Miner, who was a coal miner from uh, Appanoose County down around Centerville. Okay. And uh, he gets sent out on a mission on November 11th, 1918, and is killed by the Germans. And so a black Iowa man who gives his life on the last day of World War One, he's honored at the Centerville Cemetery with other Appanoose County men, but the, the other story connected to him is he married a woman from Kansas City. So the segregated Legion post in Kansas City is the Wayne Minor Legion post. But Iowans should be proud to know that Wayne Minor enlisted out of Appanoose County and uh, is, is uh, 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 you know, someone who gave his life for the war to uh, for, for democracy in, in World War One. So finding shocked. stories like that. Appanoose County. Um, I've actually had to work down there, so I wouldn't have never have known it because Appanoose Centerville. I don't. I've never seen any black people down there. Never would have never connected black people being in that area. Are you shocked a little bit, Dana? Because I know I am. No, not at all. And a lot of the reason why I'm not shocked has to do with the State Historical Society of Iowa. It has to do with the museum. It has to do with you know, and I wanted to get to this too, Leo, the, like some of the webinars, the Iowa History 101 webinar, I think is what it's called. Like that has been very illuminating for me as someone who's lived in Iowa all her life and 
just had no idea. So a lot of what you're talking about, um, at least at the time I went to school, it wasn't taught in school and, you know, chances are it's probably not going to be taught. So it is very important. Like your work is um, amazing. And so I wanted to get to more of like, what are some th uh, initiatives or things that you have coming up uh, for the rest of this year that people can look forward to? Sure. So the building has been under construction, so we're in a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, we're going to be picking things back up this fall with an exhibit on, uh, doesn't have a title yet, but it'll be celebrating uh, stories of civics. And it's the 75th anniversary of uh, Edna Griffin and Leonard Bibbs. And I always, I apologize, Dana, I always forget the third guy who was part of that first group. Uh, I know, I know Edna had her daughter Phyllis too, is the story I've heard with her at the Katz drugstore. And, and again, people think about segregation in the South, uh, but it's like, folks, that was happening in Iowa too. I mean, Roger Maxwell has a story in 1967 where he talks about only being shown certain neighborhoods when he and, and Bunny, his wife, come to Des Moines, you know, so uh, we think about stories like that. So we're pretty sure we're going to work Edna Griffin's story into our civics exhibit on how to be an involved and engaged citizen. So that should be opening in September. Uh, we'll have some other stories in there too. Uh, likely work in, uh, you know, John and, and uh, Mary Beth Tinker and the Tinker case here in Des Moines that goes to the Supreme Court and saying, you know, you can be a student and uh, wanting to share your voice and make things right. And you may end up getting a case that's a, you know, benchmark Supreme Court case. So reminding Iowans, you know, so many of us say, oh, nothing of significance happened in Iowa. And it's like, there are so many rich, compelling stories like Edna Griffin, you know, before Rosa Parks. So I hate when Edna Griffin gets called the Rosa Parks of Iowa. It's like, well, she was a little before uh, Rosa Parks. No knock on, on Mrs. Parks there. Uh, right. and the people in Montgomery, but uh, Edna is, is you know, a righteous person in, in her own, own way. So uh, th yeah. th that's probably our biggest one coming up is a civics exhibit this fall. That'd be super cool. I, uh, when I was at the register, I interviewed Edna, shortly before she passed away. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head what year that was. Um, she was at a nursing home over on the west side and, you know, was still able to speak and everything. And that was really like, cool. So, yeah, people, you know, will love to know more about um, the role she played because it was super important. Leah, was there anything else? I think um, we have really covered it. Um, just housekeeping of State Historical Society has a Facebook page and an Instagram. Um, I believe Leo is sharing that that's there. And then, of course, you know, located in the city of Des Moines. Um, and people should really check that out, whether it be this time of the year or later. But I've always enjoyed um, going there. I honestly started coming around I Make Me a World. And I think we didn't talk about that We Are Iowa book. I mean, What's the, it's a black book with all the black islands. Outside um, in. Right. There yep. you go. I actually purchased my copy at the State Historical Society. Um, and I I love knowing that there are always people prior. You know, Rosa Parks got the attention and it's, again, like no shade with her. However, there have been such a significance. And being someone that's from the South, um, I did always wonder about 
how was it here in Iowa during segregation? Like, there's not a kumbaya moment. Like, there still had to be a whites only in a colored section. Um, but was there anything else, maybe, Leo, that you would like our listeners to know more about? You know, if uh, your listeners want to come in and uh, they can ask at the front desk, say I heard on uh, you know the podcast with Leah and Dana that Leo Landis said uh, to ask for him, I, I'd seriously mean it. Uh, we serve all Iowans, and so uh, I'm not always free, but it, they can say, Leo wanted to show me a couple of highlights, and, and Dana knows this story. You may know it too, Leah. But right now we have the flag from the Black Civil War Regiment, the first colored regiment of Iowa is what they called themselves. Uh, and it was sewn by black women of Keokuk and Muscatine. So uh, when you talk about Iowa history, that artifact is, is one of my top five in our collection, and it's, it's on display right now. So uh, we'd be happy to, you know, meet any of your listeners who stop in. We're open Tuesday through Friday right now, 9 to 4.30. So uh, show them where that flag is and, and maybe say hello because, you know, the history that we're all making today is, is stories we should collect. So if you've got some elders uh, or your family history that needs to be saved somewhere, the, you know, African-American Museum of Iowa is a great place, but that's stories we need to tell here in Des Moines too for the whole state. So uh, love meeting people and, and hearing stories. Great. Well, thank you so much, Leo. This has been fantastic. Thank you as well. And I, I thought I would tease and say, he said, Leo will show them, not Leah, in case. Because <laughs> I was like, that kind of sounds similar, but it could just be they me. And my <laughs> so um, thank you for com coming today. And um, we ask that our listeners um, follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, you can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And we're happy to be also a partner with Black Headline News. Have a good day. Thank you. <laughs>